Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and this week we'll be hearing a sermon from guest pastor Jim Schoenrock here at St. John's Lutheran Church, Palm Desert, California. I'm so glad that you've joined us, and I hope these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. Seeing is believing, right? Or is it really? Can you be sure of what you're seeing at any given time? At least nowadays, that's hard to know. What they're telling us now about artificial intelligence and all, it's hard to know what we're going to be able to see at any time. Or what have you missed that's right in front of your eyes? You ever spend all morning looking for your glasses? only to find them in the most visible place in the room, practically right in front of you? Were you certain you saw something flicker beyond your line of vision, only to turn and see nothing there? Have you ever focused on a picture in which you see something completely different from the person next to you? Why? Because... Though our eyes provide information to our brains, our brains decide what we see. It's a human phenomenon called confirmation bias, in which you see what our mind expects us to see, even if it's not there. I was reading about this on the internet. Of course, where else would you read it? I don't know. I read that we can select or ignore words or visuals in our line of vision depending on whether or not our brain believes they are important to our understanding. The article said that puts sort of an interesting spin on our ability to know, let alone to know what is true. Why is it so hard for us to change old habits, old belief systems, to emerge from a traumatic experience to change what we know and believe about ourselves or others. Our senses and our brains interact. While our eyes provide information, our brain stores that information according to our growing knowledge. Each of us has a different looking architectural design, it was called, in our heads. So when I see, when I, see I may not exactly see what you see, or even if we see the same thing, we may interpret it differently according to what's going on inside our brains. So what does it say about seeing, about believing, something to be so? Perhaps instead of saying seeing is believing, we need to say that believing is seeing. But more accurately, it's like a combination of the two. Now let's apply that to something this morning, something bigger. You don't have faith because you see something to be true, but your faith colors the way you see the world, yourself, and others. Those with faith in God, in Jesus, in the resurrection, live more content, hopeful, and assured lives than those who find nothing solid to believe in for now or in the future. And here's the big surprise. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. In fact, we all doubt. That's why we need our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our fingers to touch. Our senses confirm what we believe. They assure us 
of what we know is real in the sense that it fits into our vision of what the world is like. Ever know someone who believes he or she is a bad person? Those inner feelings will color the way that person sees everything in the world. And on the other hand, if someone feels good about themselves, confident and self-assured, that person will likely flourish in his or her relationships, find hope in everything, and see good in the world around him or her. Now, that doesn't mean that this person never doubts anything, but he or she has the courage to ask questions of what he or she sees. So in a sense, doubt isn't the opposite of faith, but the confirmer of faith. In the gospel lesson I just read today, we see Jesus, first of all, appeared to his disciples from within a locked room. Now, you note that Thomas is missing, and we don't know why he isn't there. Did he go out for food? Did he check on his business? Thomas, you see, was a stonemason and a master builder. Did he check on his family? Was he on a secret errand? We have no idea. We only know he wasn't there during that first encounter with the risen Jesus. So when the others told him what they had seen, his answer, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, but my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, does this response mean that Thomas had no faith? No, of course not. He was one of Jesus' most ardent disciples. But he was also a builder, an architect, a realist, maybe even engineer, who wasn't afraid of asking the hard questions about what he felt was right. Otherwise, he wouldn't have become a disciple in the first place. Thomas was the same one who suggested in the first place in the, that when they visit Lazarus, remember him? that they might die along with him. Was Lazarus killed? We know the Pharisees had a hit on his life. We know that the disciples feared Jesus' entry into Jerusalem when the threat of death hung over all of them. But only Thomas spoke up in this way. Thomas was also the one who said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus replied, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas was devoted to Jesus. He was protected of him. His faith was strong, and he believed wholeheartedly in Jesus' mission. But his mind was one of practicality, strategy, analysis, reason. His role as a disciple among the twelve was to ask the hard questions. And it's because Thomas's questions that our belief is confirmed in the witness of our gospel lesson and that our faith is assured. Doubt is not a lack of faith, but a confirmation of what the mind always longs to believe. If Thomas had not had faith, would he even have listened, you know, that day, a week later? Would he have witnessed what he did? Could he have been apostle later that he would become? Or did his mind 
even a mind that focused on the practical and empirical do a double take when it felt with his own hands the nail marks and the wounds of Jesus. That was enough not only to confirm perhaps what he believed or hoped, but to change his inner vision to see to one accepting the truth that Jesus was alive and had been resurrected. You see, here is the one paradox about believing and seeing. Once in a while, we encounter a glitch, something so out of our realm of understanding, something so clear that it shifts our entire way of believing and understanding, adds something new to the way we see ourselves. This was, in fact, Jesus' gift in the telling of his parables. It's what happens when somebody suddenly sees something in their lives that changes their view of themselves and others. We might call it a miracle, we might call it healing, but Jesus called it seeing. Thomas experienced on that extraordinary day, and it would change his life and our witness of the resurrection for all time to come. For the Gospel writer John tells us in our lesson today that these signs are written so that we might come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing we may have life in his name. Without Thomas's questions, his doubts, his realistic concerns, we may pass off today's Gospel lesson as just a wishful thinking experience of Jesus and a group of followers who, who knows what happened. But with Thomas's doubt and his subsequent confirmation, his shock and his complete change of spirit, our own belief becomes assured. And we too can become open to experiencing Jesus' resurrection in our own lines of vision. Now this season of Easter, and it's a season, it's not just one day, it's a season of change, time of change. And you can see it in everything around us. Things are changing. It's a time of becoming, of believing, of seeing things new. So I encourage all of you to challenge your expectations, to challenge what you know and think is true, and instead, read the scriptures with new eyes. To see Jesus in your life with less expectation and more fascination. And in doing so, you may too experience new, extraordinary experiences of knowing and growing that will change your beliefs, your views, your faith, and maybe even change you. Amen. Thanks for listening. Each week's episode is edited by Nick Cox. Music performed by our St. John's Worship Band. Make sure to subscribe to hear each week's message. If you'd like to know more about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, to share the life-giving word and do the life-giving work of Jesus, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.